sick at this stage of the fairy tale of New York. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Hello everybody, Father Brendan Kilcoyne, coming to you from the west coast of Mayo. My isolation, my restricted movements over tonight, symptom-free. By the sound of it, I must be one of the few people left on the island of Ireland who's symptom-free. And I don't mean to make a joke out of something that's, that's so serious, but um, tough times. So I'm coming to you on this beautiful frosty morning, and I suppose my whimsical opening refers to the endless menu of uh, the fairy tale of New York every Christmas that we get the Pogues and Chris, the late Christy McCall. Uh, a wonderful song, a marvellous, elegiac, uh, poignant, uh, evocative song, a haunting song, tremendously evocative of place and season and mood, and yet you can have too much of a good thing, a bit like Christmas pudding or Christmas cake. We can do with perhaps a break from it for another year now. If you look at the lyrics of that song, and I think I've mentioned it before, if you look at the lyrics of that song, which has been enduringly popular since, oh, 88? It's been enduringly popular ever since. The lyrics, they talk about the vigour of America, but the wind goes right through you, no place for the old. The wind goes right through you, no place for the old. New York, it's a young man's or a young woman's city. It's a tough city. It's a hard city. Now, of course, it's winter in New York. And so what you have really is, it's a tremendously dysfunctional relationship. There's a urine stench about it, the drunk tank. You can nearly get the smell, the, the seedy downside of New York, of a great city. And there's a sense of failure about their relationship. They abuse and famously insult each other. And yet it said, their love is still there. When she accuses him of having, you took my dreams from me when I first found you. And he said, but I packed them with my own. Can't make it all alone. So their love is still there against this background of death, of winter, of relentless competition, of a harsh, driven culture. And yet their love, fragile, is, is still there. It's alive. You know, the humanity in the drunk tank is more valid than the concrete of the streets than the things and even the season around it. It's the sheer fragile humanity, even in failure, maybe especially in failure. And it puts me in mind, don't, don't, please don't laugh about this, because I, I know it's a bit of a, it seems a bit of a stretch, but it's not really. And McGowan's a clever guy. I find it very hard to believe they weren't thinking of him, but of Yeats. You remember that poem, as Sailing to Byzantium? That is no country for old men. The wind goes right through you, no place for the old. That is no country for old men. And he was talking about another great empire, because as the late Gore Vidal constantly reminded us, uh, America is an empire, or became an empire. It's just a different kind of empire. And so Yeats is thinking of another empire, and Byzantium for him, Constantinople, was a symbol of the regeneration of the Roman Empire, of its continued vitality, and particularly the first few centuries after the fall of Rome, when there was a tremendous outpouring of creativity, the Code of Justinian, the building of Hagia Sophia, the Church of Holy Wisdom, which has recently reverted again to being a mosque, uh, I notice. 
for him, that was one of the great periods of human history. And Byzantium is an image of creativity, of fecundity, of regeneration, of a future. It's a tremendous image. But in the fairy tale of New York, it's the winter background of a cold, icy, great city that intimidates love. But in Yeats, it's summer, it's warmth, it's fecundity, it's life, it's the sheer humanity of the great city that intimidates love because Yeats is no longer young. He feels himself getting old and Yeats felt keenly the tragedy of the human lot. And without God, and Yeats searched hard and long, but I don't know that he ever became reconciled to anything that we would call a belief in God. Without God, human life is ultimately tragic, exquisitely so. It is ultimately tragic, made exquisitely so by the fact that even the most ordinary man sitting over his pint in the pub can go like the character in Juno and the Peacock, uh, what is the stars? Even the most ordinary person can ask, what is the stars? And so I just am very struck by the way in which the two of them, the couple in the ballad, which is a little more than a ballad, it's a very clever song. The couple in the first one, and then Yeats in his great poem, and they're both caught in the marchlands of human experience. You sense that the couple, although madly in love, have never committed to their love. They're still, they hate each other as well. They're still holding something back. And because they're holding something back, they're cursed to wander in the drunk tank on the streets of life, if you like. Now, you can do that very comfortably off. You can be very comfortably off and, and, and be living in an urban hell in your mind. And then Yeats is there. He married a woman who had great understanding of him and was long-suffering with him, Georgie Hyde Lees. Uh, he betrayed her repeatedly. Yeats was very withdrawn uh, as a young man, became very sensual man as he got older, and felt keenly the tragedy of his ageing and, by implication, dying body. That is no country for old men, the young in one another's arms. So really what we're dealing with here is as if you were walking down a street in Paris in summer and you could easily be made to feel through nobody's fault that you didn't belong if you were of, let's say, a certain age and had not reconciled yourself to that. Now Yeats does tell the whole story. May I just quote the first verse of that poem? That is no country for old men, the young in one another's arms. Birds in the trees, those dying generations at their song, the salmon falls, the mackerel crowded seas, fish, flesh or fowl, commend all summer long, whatever is begotten, born and dies. Caught in that sensual music, all neglect, monuments of unaging intellect. And so what you have there is Yeats is intimidated in his ageing body. He is intimidated by the mindless living of the young. And Byzantium is an image for brilliant, creative young. For, for they used to say a jeunesse dorée, a gilded youth who have everything. Byzantium has everything. And Yeats is watching himself gradually being stripped of what he has. And he comes out at the beginning of the next verse with that heartbreaking line, an aged man is but a paltry thing 
tattered coat upon a stick. Now, I, I really warm to him in this because, I mean, I'm sitting here now on a frosty morning in January, the least friendly of months, when I used to run a school. My crikey, any problems you were going to have would be in January. It's a hard month, you know. You no longer have Christmas to look forward to and you still have winter and sometimes a real kick to winter in the early weeks of January. And I'm pushing 58. I was a January baby. I'll be 58 at the end of January. And I'm, you know, I've had some illness and stuff like that. And I'm, I feel myself aging. I'm not, I'm not young anymore. And I do feel that tragedy. I do feel that tragedy that calls out for redemption. If you're not a believer, you're stuck in the marchlands. And I'm not saying that condescendingly. Because even believers go back to the marchlands quite often, much more often than they admit. I'm just very struck here. Now, look, I'm going to push the boat out again, but one is all the time trying to somehow express the incarnation in a world that increasingly only trusts what it can touch, taste, sense and feel. Uh, The intellectual is not ultimately satisfying. Not ultimately. We are physical beings. And I'm very struck by the fact that a culture, a Western culture, which is in Nietzsche's phrase has killed God, that no longer really collectively believes in God and to a large extent individually doesn't at least consciously believe in God. And I'm struck and, you know, I began with a popular song, although it's a much deeper song than maybe people think. But I'm going to go on to popular entertainment that's more significant than people think. To the, I think I've mentioned it before, the vampire obsession in movies and television series and the zombie thing and, and, and all, this, all this kind of thing. And I would just argue to you that it's humanity holding the car on the hill. It's the marchlands of experience. It's so tragic. It's a humanity that has nowhere to go. So it becomes obsessed with these ancient legends but without the theological and popularly understood theological context to the legends. And so all it has is the vampires and the zombies. Dublin Opinion, which was a a famous satirical magazine in Dublin, now gone, I think. It was famous for its cartoons by Max Beerbohm, but um, one of the cartoons... I think back in the 30s was featured the writer W.B. Yeats, whom we've talked about, the poet, a poet and playwright, and uh, the writer George Moore, who was a, a contemporary of Yeats, one of the Moors of Moore Hall in Mayo. And the cartoon, which was really funny, was Mr. W.B. Yeats introduces Mr. George Moore to the Queen of the Fairies. And that, <laughs> that was Yeats. He ended up stuck with the Queen of the Fairies, like with the vampires and the zombies, so to speak, with holding the clutch on a hill without commitment. See, if you're getting old, you're getting old. You have to embrace old age and you discover in old age that you have wisdom. And the Bible talks about wisdom sensually, like the Bible talks about the relationship between God and the soul sensually in the Hebrew erotic love poetry of the Song of Songs. That is the literary genre of the Song of Songs, is Hebrew erotic love poetry. Until you understand that the Bible answers these concerns physically, the Jewish mind is intensely physical and practical. It doesn't dally in the conceptual. That came with the Greeks. Until you realize that, you haven't understood this religion. And I put it to you that you haven't understood yourself or the human condition. The greatest temptation is that we keep holding the clutch on the hill, that we freeze the car on the hill, 
afraid to go forward, afraid to go back, afraid to make a commitment or a decision. And so you have the couple abusing each other in the, in the, on the streets in New York. You scumbag, you maggot. And famously, because this is regarded uh, with, some, with some justification as an extremely offensive term, using the, a word which is an abusive word for, for a male homosexual person, became very, very controversial lately. But it was a common insult, a vulgar insult. Uh, they're stuck holding the clutch on the hill. If you're in love, you're in love. You have to go with it. You can't keep holding back. Ultimately, you pay a terrible price. You end up in the drunk tank, so to speak. Even if you never drink, even if you end up in $5,000 suits and you have it all, you're still in the drunk tank, spiritually, morally. You're in the cellars of the house of Caiaphas. You will not go to your Golgotha. You stay forever in the cellar because you don't get to simply go back to Eden. The way back to Eden is through Golgotha and you're refusing it. You won't accept the cross in your love. You won't accept the cross in your ageing. And there are tremendous rewards for accepting the cross, not least of which is the physical resurrection. And so we're in a situation collectively, I would argue to you that, uh, for instance, the, the Desert Fathers would have recognised John Cashin famously talked about the noonday devil, the noonday demon of Achadia. And Aquinas defined Achadia as an inactive... I'm, look, I'm saying this off the top of my head now, just from memory, and I'm not an Aquinas scholar. But he, he said, inactivity arising from sadness that the good should be difficult. The difficulty of the good, the sadness at the difficulty, and a lethargy resulting, because the sadness overwhelms. The difficulty does not stimulate. Achidia, the noonday demon, and it is the laboratory of the devil. It is that indecision. There is no way out of it in human life, and there's no way out of it in making decisions, but you cannot stay there. You cannot stay there. It's like Lisbon during the war. It's full of spies. It's full of danger. You cannot stay there in those marchlands. Peter Hitchens, I really enjoy Hitchens. I mean, he's becoming really a grumpy old man, and I really like that. He's, I'm about the same age as him. Same age without the intellect, but I have the age at least. And we're in the, the same place. And uh, I really admire his determination not to be shouted down and his constant, passionate reiteration of common sense. It sounds strange to think that you can be passionate about common sense, but you can be, because what we call common sense is not common. Even if he's wrong, he's still partly right because of his integrity. And Hitchens, in one case, like Hitchens was hard left as a young man. He was a Trotskyite. Then, you know, he's reverted back to his Anglican faith. He's become a devout Anglican. He's a conservative commentator, conservative intellectual. But Hitchens, in, in a recent interview, he pays tribute to the left. He said, one has to respect the dedication. I'm, I'm quoting loosely here. The dedication, the patience, the endurance, the sheer grit and he uses the phrase sheer grit, with which they have changed the world. And that is true. The children of light, the believers are sitting here. We're holding the clutch on the hill. We're as frozen as the rest of the culture. We have this faith. What we're doing is so dangerous. We have this faith. 
and yet we will not fully commit to it. Now that's a part of the life of faith, but you can't stay there. So what you end up doing is wrestling with God all the time. Wrestling with God is a part of faith. The drunk tank is a part of the spiritual life. The sellers of Caiaphas precede Golgotha, but you must turn up to your trial. You must answer the summons. You must continue. You have to floor it, as we say in Ireland. You have to put the accelerator to the floor. Get the car out of here. You're becalmed, to use a sailing image. You're just sitting there. And this is, is a very mirror of the patience of God with us. Just think of the creativity of God. Think of the subtlety. Think of, think of the remarkable, multi-layered, humanly incomprehensible subtlety with which God has created the world. And just think of the way God operates in human history and the way God has operated in, in each of our lives. His strength and his gentleness, his patience, his endurance for us. He is mad about us. The left, because in a sense, uh, communism is the unacknowledged child of liberalism, which is the unacknowledged child of the Judeo-Christian inheritance. The left have that patience. They have inherited that part of the kingdom. They have inherited the skills with which we are supposed to be revealing the kingdom. And this is absolutely disastrous. This cannot go on. We must take our inheritance. We must step forward. Now, I noticed lately that this is the danger of staying where you are. They, they put manners on Shane McGowan lately, the enfant terrible of folk singing, uh, popular folk singing and all the rest of it. He, that line, you scumbag, you, you maggot, you cheap lousy, uh, the, the woke culture set on it. And I noticed that in some radio stations were playing a bodlerized version in which the word had been changed. I have huge problems with doing that to literature. I really have very serious problems doing that to literature, to fine literature. And I think that the fairy tale in New York is more than simply a pop song. It's a beautifully crafted ballad. But... McGowan's answer when he was interviewed was, uh, uh, I don't want trouble. I don't want trouble. I remember a time when Shane McGowan did want trouble and, and he, he did remarkable work, but I suppose that's, that's what happens when you become what Yeats calls, like he's called to be the scarecrow. Yeats is tattered coat upon a stick. You're called to be that. You go from being an enfant terrible, from being a rebel and young, to being a profound sign of contradiction if you're an artist, because the artist and the saint are related. As Joyce knew, he's called to do that, but he doesn't want to, he doesn't want Golgotha. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to be the grand old man. He wants, as indeed Yeats ended up. And Yeats said bitterly in, in self-recognition, he, he talks in Among Schoolchildren in, the, in that, that other poem, he makes the comment, there is a comfortable kind of old scarecrow. He's visiting a school as a senator, a 60-year-old smiling public man, he calls himself. There is a comfortable kind of old scarecrow. And clearly Shane McGowan would agree with him. I don't want trouble. And how many of us are at the same thing? We're caught, we're caught on the hill and how pathetic you get as you get older. It's one thing to be still railing at God, you scumbag, you maggot. It's one thing to be struggling in the thing. But you have to move on. A terrible punishment awaits those who will not move on to the cross. 
and the cross is the path to the resurrection and the new Eden. How do we do this? I've, you know, we've talked about this a hundred times. We're facing into a new year now. How do we do this? And I quote to you Sunday's gospel, that magnificent gospel, that it's fighting stuff. It is first chapter of John. It's the church true to its vocation as scarecrow and not a comfortable one. We're here to scare off the powers of darkness and we do look grotesque and we stay with it. Not, I don't want trouble, not a comfortable kind of old scarecrow. We accept the trouble. We must go forward to Golgotha. And the answer, the answer to Yeats's tormented envy of the fecundity of the world around him, fish, flesh, fowl, commend all summer long, whatever is begotten, born and dies, the mackerel crowded seas, the young in one another's arms. We present to this conundrum, he who is born not of blood, not of the will of man, but of God. To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten Son from the Father. Not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That which is of blood and the will of the flesh and the will of man will die. Nature does not respect individuals. Nature discards individuals. If you worship nature, you worship death. Nature has no future for you. It has a future only for the species. We have learned that much from science. And we knew it already. At the beginning of the 19th century, uh, the Italian poet Leopardi, he has this conversation with nature and nature answers him. I'm quoting here loosely, if millions of you died in the morning, what is that to me? Your concerns are nothing to me. I will only that life continue. It is to the creator of nature, it is to God, not middle management that you must turn if you want the concern for yourself. The tremendous sense of the sacredness of the individual is a product of the Jews and of Christianity. It is not to be found in nature, nor is it to be found in natural philosophy or religion. Except in so far as that has been influenced by that tradition. Otherwise, you're stuck on the hill. Go forward to Golgotha. How do we witness to this in this world? I saw in my own recovery this, the mixture of strength and gentleness, which was not the impersonal glamour of nature, but the strength and gentleness of nurses and physios and special needs teachers. And I'm asking you now, when I ask you, are we strong enough for this? Put the foot to the floor and go forward. I'm asking also, are we gentle enough? Have we the patience? Have we the love? Have we the willingness to assume the terrible beauty in Yeats' words of self-sacrifice? Can we give ourselves? Because otherwise you'll be calmed, stuck on the hill. There is no forward. Accept what you are. Step forward. We have to set up calvaries on the roadsides 
make calvaries of our lives on the roadsides. In the words of Newman, you might remember that I was reading the Apologia just to make use of my time in the last week or two. I just quote to you from the Apologia. It is not by learned discussions or acute arguments or reports of miracles that the heart of England can be gained. It is by men, quote, approving themselves, unquote, like the apostle, quote, ministers of Christ. It is by men approving themselves, like the apostle, ministers of Christ. Now, there are comfortable kinds of scarecrows, as Yeats tells us. So instead of nicely painted... Um, little calvaries by the roadside, the, the ones you see all the time. I mean, your calvary must be a living calvary. It must be authentically you. Otherwise, it is not love in a cold place. Now, Yeats goes on. And that's the thing about Yeats, is that he is very self-aware of his predicament. An aged man is but a paltry thing unless soul clap its hands and sing and louder sing for every tatter in its mortal dress. Soul clap its hands and sing and louder sing for every tatter in its mortal dress. Let's have the humility, let's have the love to set up our own calvaries by the side of the road to give courage to others. Let's be the scarecrows to fighten off the dark birds of death. Let's be the love that is not afraid to go forward in 2000 and 21. And I give you, if you would allow my blessing, as you meditate on these things and as you go forward, flesh, blood, with all of your baggage into this new year, whether you're sick or whether you're well, to approve yourself a minister of Christ, to set up a Calvary, to set up a, a, a little theatre of love by the side of the road of this great city. That is modern life. May the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit come down on you and on yours and remain with you all forever. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.